I say Dave's very rich, okay? And I, and I don't mean rich just money terms. I mean rich in family. You're always with your, posting with your family and your daughter. And feel, I feel like you have a really, just based on our conversation, like you, you came from your son's game this morning and you were always talking about your kids and all that stuff. And how do you balance that? Because you do a ton of business stuff too. And how do you keep that in check? And does your wife kick you out or hate you or what? Like, how do you do this? Yeah. No, the funny thing was uh, she used to hate me for good reason. Um, I'm a freak of time. And I think it's really important to understand balance is not 25%, 25%, 25%, 25%. Too many people try to balance life in an unrealistic manner. Uh, so if you look at things a little bit differently, and what I try to do is take 24 hours in a trajectory towards what I think I want and give meaning to these defining moments, setbacks, failures, mistakes, lessons, even historical relevances. I tell a story about, I was speaking in Europe at the Global Sports Summit, and this French woman came up to me, and we started to interact about the future of sports, and she's like, well, what about the French-American War? And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? Like, that's gonna be your interference to the future? You can never overachieve your own self-image. It's the biggest problem I see in realtors and people in real estate. They just don't overachieve their own self-image. They can't imagine what it's like. And, um, and they do that by limiting the amount of money they think they have or that they can get. The richest people on earth started with other people's money. So when I hear people up here say, well, I don't have as much money as you. Yeah. Well, I didn't have as much money as me either. <laughs> it's true, right? And so how do we balance ourselves? I think first start with what you're given today and say to yourself, is it today that's important to me personally, experientially, giving-wise and receiving-wise? Every day is different. And so some days I spend an enormous amount of time with my family, but every day I have a minimum amount of time I spend with my family. And so I have three non-negotiables every day that I put into time because I know these three things every day need my attention and my intention and when you do that, remember, energy has three characteristics. Money and energy, behaviors and energy, your activities are energies. The energy you have, it compounds in aggregates and it also accelerates. So for me, I say a minimum of an hour a day on my health, which is when you're 55 years old, a really dangerous thing to say because the most automatic response of younger people, hey, and I've been 25 before and ripped, is like, really? You spend a minimum of an hour a day on your health and you look like that? Like, yeah, that's what happens when you're 55, but I do. <laughs> and I could tell the guys that were 55 were like, heck yeah, brother. <laughs> if I worked out like this, you could have seen how ripped I'd be at 25. Um, and the way I eat, it's bullshit. Um, anyway, but you, you really have to define today in these values and give it a minimum amount of time. So my family is the one that most people distinguish when they see my videos and see my life. And I try not to give people a snapshot of my life that's unrealistic. Standing in front of shit I don't own, impressing people I don't like. Like I try to give the good and the bad so you're not getting me dressed up with makeup every day in my best moments. You get me crying about my mom and my dad the same way you do when you're in private. Uh, that's what I try to do to people so you feel comfortable with the amount of time you spend. So my wife and I spend a minimum of 30 minutes a day. Someday, it's only 30 minutes. Some days it's a lot longer. Minimum of 30 minutes with my 13-year-old son every day, seven days a week. If I'm in Asia, Australia, thank God for FaceTime, 
right? It, I, it's there every day. I don't miss. It's non-negotiable. It's in my calendar, just like the president of the United States would want to meet with me or some billionaire. I would drop everything. And then two minutes a day with the three daughters I have, 24, 21, and 18. Hold on a second. You said 30 minutes with your son, two minutes with the daughters. Why? Minimum, minimum. Okay, okay. I, I asked for five. They gave me two. Oh, so that was on their part. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> They don't want any more than that. No, yeah, yeah. well, it's minimum. Some days, you know, if I'm buying something, they want tons of my time. <laughs> I'm a realist. And then here's probably the biggest lesson that I can teach is a minimum of one minute a day with my mom. Uh, and I tell my mom every day a minimum of one minute, sometimes much more. But I to tell my mom every day that I'm healthy, I'm happy, I love her, and I appreciate her. I'm happy, I'm healthy, I love and appreciate her. My relationship with my mom has healed itself. There's no Jewish guilt. There's no drive down here to fix my screen door just to prove that I'm happy, healthy, love, and appreciate her. She knows because every day I tell her. And then the last thing I do is I spend a minimum of 10 minutes a day studying my day, studying my time. Remember, attention plus intention equals coincidence. So what happens is I have a balance every day determining what I'm doing today in a trajectory of what I think I want in the future, making sure the meaning of the defining moments, lessons, mistakes are aligned with that trajectory so my self-image is high, that I'm not interfering because I went bankrupt in real estate over $100 million in 2008. I know a lot of guys who went bankrupt with me. Some blame me for going bankrupt, yeah. which is fine, but I don't give it that meaning. I, one of the guys I got a lawsuit with, we were just talking about, Right? I went up two years after, I was a multimillionaire in two years again, and I went up to him and I reached my hand out of a Charger game when they were in San Diego, and he literally flinched like I was gonna punch him across the face. And I just went to legitimately thank him. Because but for the awakening I had and the lessons I learned about my own ego, I probably would have been dead and guaranteed divorced in the trajectory I was living. So take balance today in a trajectory towards the future, giving meaning to the defining moments and lessons. One quick lesson about lessons, because I speak all the time. Two things. One, there's two types of people, people who write down everything and people who write down nothing. I'm a big uh, proponent of write down or, or codify the lessons that resonate with you in your life, wherever you are. Text yourself, email your friend. But if it resonates with you, that's the universe telling you, hey, buddy, be aware. I don't know when or why or how it's going to be important, but it will be important. So codify what resonates with you and then create a system to access the lessons. That's the second step that wasn't available when I was younger through technology, searchable folders and outlook work, yeah. but whatever you want to use. So write down what resonates with you and then access it later or a system. I use the uh, set reminders. I'll just say, hey, set reminder, Dave said, you know, right now, I'll be like set reminder, and then I have this list of 2,000 reminders, but I can go back and organize them and all that. But at least it's there because I'll get these thoughts, and for me, a lot of the times the thought comes in the shower. Right. I don't know why. And it's like, dude, you have nothing to write with. You know, you got nothing there. So somebody in the group sent me a waterproof. <laughs> yeah, Nathan LaRue saw me posting about this, this is another thing. Let people know what you're doing, and then somebody in your, in your, on your community will help you. So Nathan's like, hey, dude, he shipped a, a waterproof notepad and waterproof pen to, my, uh, to me at the office, and now I can write if I, if I get one of these ideas in the shower. But it was pretty cool to see. One other thing I wanted to uh, ask Dave about, and then I'll bring up Mel. 
um, is networking. Okay, a lot of us want to network with people and and improve the quality of the people in our circle because if you're around people who are doing big things, it's more likely you're going to be doing. Everyone's like network equals net worth, all that kind of stuff. We see it over and over, but in practice. I found it was really difficult in the beginning because I was like, oh, I can't just walk up to Dave and talk to you. What, am I, what value can I bring Dave? I'm just you know, a, a mortgage guy, a real estate guy. How can I talk? But I found that it was easy. I just came up and talked to you, and then we got to do more business together and do more, thi- do more events together. And then now you know, I could text Dave and ask him a question, and he'll respond. So how have you built, you've built relationships with the highest level of athletes, entertainers, celebrities. How have you done that? going back to before you weren't Dave Meltzer. Right. (laughs) And that's a really good point because it gets easier and easier as you build build a community. So my first objective always was to build a community of people that help each other or know people who can help each other. And as social media and technology expanded the network possibility to a size, scope, and scale that even I can't imagine, uh, you know, I'm blessed to be really good friends with Gary Vaynerchuk, and we talk about this all the time, like as much as he has 10 million followers, his community is even bigger. And as much as I have 1 million, my community is much bigger, but it's still like the size of a needle in the size, scope, and scale of a community. And the real power of our community is that we figured out two things. One, giving people more of what they like and taking away more of what people don't like. I'm going to repeat that. Value is transferred by two mechanisms. One, giving people more of what they like and taking away what they don't like. In order to do that, to build a community and to be able to network within the context of that community, you have to be more interested than interesting. And anybody that's watched my videos have heard me say that a thousand times. They've heard me say, be more interesting, interested than interesting and ask for help. The reason I say that every day, beyond be kind to your future self, do good deeds, all three are relative to building a community because by doing so, you'll learn how you can give people more of what they like and take away what they don't like. And the minute you do, they become part of your community. Now all you have to do is ask, do you know anyone that could help me? Yeah, and this is crazy. So this is such a key point. I want to rewind. Make sure you listen to this part. He said, be interested in them more than you don't have to be somebody that's you know of a certain status or of a certain level of business or wealth to provide value you you can literally just be interested in what the other person is doing like you can read their books you can buy their products you can go to their events and the number one thing like people want to talk to you and i found this out just on a little level when somebody's like part of the mastermind obviously that's the highest level but even people who just buy a ticket to the event um, and they come up and talk you feel, if you're a good person, you feel obligated to you know, give that person time and speak to them, even if they message you. So you find out, one way I've found to get into circles is literally just buy their products. You know what I mean? Like sign up for whatever products they're doing. And sometimes it's the entry level product is like $500 sometimes. And you've now bought your way to getting your question or getting your message read. And that can lead to bigger and better things. But be interested in what they're doing. Go deeper and then ask them questions about that. And uh, you'll find that like they'll want to talk to you more and support you too. Can I touch on that real quick? I actually do a training now for big company sales forces, and it's literally a callback training. So in the old days when you had calling cards or quarters, uh, you had a real problem with people calling you back. 
Today, you have so many mechanisms in person, on the phone, via email, social and traditional media of people getting back to you. On average, you should be reaching out to over a thousand people a day. And the best way to reach out to people is, I literally teach, I'm interested in buying what you're doing, understanding what you're doing, learning about what you're doing, or interested in what you're doing, call me back. So think about it, if on average you are reaching out via all these different ways today, emails, social media, traditional media, in person, over a thousand people on average a day, and the return rates are so poor, if you get this lesson that Neil described to you, imagine if you double the amount of people that get back to you. You've just doubled your sales without getting any better at sales. You've doubled your income without getting, but here's what happens. The more people that get back to you, the better you get at sales. So now you're converting more as well. So if all you focused in on when you left here today is getting people to get back to you in person on the phone via email and media, you all will double your income by the next time I see you, guaranteed. Yes, that's huge. Yeah, give a round of applause for that. And one thing I will tell you all that's helped me a lot is, you know, if you provide value and you're a good person, people can tell the vibe of what you're doing. They could tell whether your intention is to get something. I can tell in, in just text now whether someone's intention is good or whether it's a little cringe, you know, or maybe self-serving. So you can tell that vibe. And when people just want to collaborate and want to do things, they'll help you when you ask. So I text Dave two days ago, Jake and Dave. I was like, man, can, I know it's short notice. I know you got family stuff. Could you, would you be able to be here? And like, you know what? I have to move some things around. But yes, I'll be there. You know, like that's that's really cool to ask and, and, and receive that. And so when you have done the work first, same thing with Kevin yesterday. He says he could tell the vibe of what I was asking. And then based on that vibe, he wanted to help out. Right. So you can ask if your intentions are good and people will help you so many times. Like we don't even tell people we, we had a conversation. Somebody said the biggest problem with their business right now is there's a lack of inventory. There's not. How many times have you gone on social and said, look, man, I have qualified clients at this price point to this price point. We're looking for property. If you know someone or you are someone who's thinking about something, please reach out. And you did that post every couple times a week. How much inventory do you think you create for free? You know, people would reach out. Other people have stuff that's coming in the market that you don't even know about that they'll connect the dots. We haven't even asked. So think about how you could ask for more things like this and you'll see more people come out. I want to bring up Mel real quick. So give a round of applause to Mel. Um, Mel and Dave, uh, I'm going to scoot over. Yeah. So Mel and Dave have a relationship. How, how long have you guys known each other? I've known Dave as long as I've known my husband, Vince. So Vince, Vince's aunt and uncle were neighbors with Dave and Julie. And their kids, Vince's cousins, were raised together. They're still best friends to this day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's really interesting is I watched Dave go from just a regular San Diego guy who actually got us into every Chargers party known to man. But, I mean... <laughs> and uh, become just a change maker in the world. And, and it's, it's been a really incredible journey to watch you do that. And that's something that I would love for you to share. Like, how do you go from just being a regular guy with some good relationships here and there to someone with your connections, with your impact? How did you do that? It seems like such an insurmountable climb for us. Yeah, well, being interested, number one, but 
It's interesting because I believe in frequency, and I was going to talk about build your brand, find your frequency. And I was flying to India, and I met this doctor who told me this great thing. She said, uh, you know, you only can be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than you. And that kind of wrung my world. And so she said the earth vibrates the slowest, plants, animals, human, sound, light, and then thought. And then she said to me, do you know what vibrates the fastest, David? I was like, no idea. I was kind of rolling my eyes at the time because I wasn't as enlightened or open. I just wanted to make a lot of money at that time. And so I'm like, no, she said the truth. The truth vibrates the fastest. She said, I can teach you through meditation to vibrate faster and elevate your awareness. Now, my mindset at the time was, you know, only people lying on their mom's uh, couches, sick, broke, and high, they meditate. I don't have time to meditate. I run Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment. I'm rich, I'm famous, I don't need this shit. And she literally said, oh, that's too bad. I said, why is that? She said, I can teach you when to buy or sell. And so she met me where I was at with meditation, utilizing what was important to me at that time, making a lot of money, and it changed my life. And so when we talk about this idea of how did you do this, for, for me it was a paradigm shift of my whole life was a competition. It was a trade, it was a negotiation, and I was damn good at it. That's why I got the jobs that I had, that's why I made the money I had, whether it was in real estate, technology, whatever I did, it was that I had little men syndrome, I played college football because the competition, comparison, all these things, and I used to want more, more money, more happiness, more health, more wealth, more worthiness, and there was never enough of it, right? Never enough of it, so I would challenge myself by using drugs and alcohol, doing stupid stuff to challenge myself to get more. And once I realized this simple idea of frequency and realized truth, and I, and I simplified it with real general terms, I'm a very faith-based person, very faith-based. And I, and I was, my brother is a rabbi, and I was not faith-based. Uh, and I don't care about religion, philosophy, theory, uh, or spirituality. Here's, here's my faith. There's something bigger than all of us, an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source, an abundant, infinite system of thought that's unified between all of us that loves me more than my mom. That was it. When, when I started to think, and why do I believe that? I can't prove it to anyone, so don't come up afterwards and say, prove it to me, man. You know, I can't, but I know nobody else can prove against it. And so I'm a best options person. And when I took that option, what changed in my life and where all these people, like you said, you're afraid to come up to people, all these different things change because I started looking at one thing. I am. I am part of this. I'm part of Warren Moon, Steve Young, Troy Aikman. I'm part of the NFL. I'm part of being a billionaire. I'm part of it already. What am I doing to interfere with it? And it was so much easy for me to say, Oh, this friend of mine is interfering with my potential, my truth. Oh, this drug, it's interfering with my potential in my, oh, this lack of movement, oh, this food is interfering with my potential. I'm gonna get rid of it. And all of a sudden, all of these relationships, all of these insecurities, and, and what I developed from that idea from being protected and promoted instead of punished, like losing over $100 million, a lot of people thought they were punished. I punished them, the world punished them, the finance. I was protected and promoted. 
the, the analogy is everyone has a little kid or been a little kid and went, re, went to go reach into that fire. That's a perfect example. Anybody has a five-year-old, I promise you, they'd be reaching over the glass and putting their hand in that fire. And even if you're a mom like my mom who doesn't hit their kids or yell, you flap the crap out of your kid's hand and scream no. They would cry and say, Mom, why are you punishing me? And you would hug them and say, I'm not punishing you, I'm protecting you. So when you don't get the deal, when you don't get the person that you want in your life, when things don't happen the way you want them to happen, think about all I just did was reach into touch a fire. I'm just incapable of knowing it. And that's what changed that paradigm shift that I try to teach other people to do the same, to identify what's interfering with your potential. Oh, so powerful. Thank you. You touched on the loss that you face, which, you know, we had the unfortunate honor of watching you go through that spiral spiral <laughs> alongside a lot of uh, friends and a lot of uh, business partner family and um, you know you handled that the 2008 crash the losses in real estate better than I've seen anyone I was actually shocked at the time because I was in real estate I was like really like he's okay with <laughs> losing that like millions and millions and millions of dollars so you know having gone through these incredible highs in your in your investments in your career and then reach some of the lowest places how have you rebuilt and what are the lessons that you learned from those times yeah well, exactly what it is was i looked at it differently what what are the lessons so accountability is a big thing but there's three stages that i learned the first stage was take responsibility for this it was going to be really easy to blame to justify, to live in shame from it. In fact, I think one of the hardest things for me to deal with were some of our friends. I had always made money, nine months out of law school, nicknamed Midas or Money Money, and literally people were like, oh, Dave, I, I just won in that deal with you and Steven. I just wanted, and, and they're like, I'm like, no, we don't need, I don't need money, I don't need you. Well, let me just give you $10,000. Please, I wanna make what you make. So I let them invest 10,000. Then they lost millions of dollars, but it was because I lost so much and I was the figurehead, I got the great blame, shame, and justification. So many people in my neighborhood and friends would be like, well, you know, I went bankrupt because Dave Meltzer fucked me over. So I decided, you know what, that's fine. I live in forgiveness, but I'm gonna take accountability. I'm responsible. The second one was later learned called attraction. So I started studying you know, my wife was big into the secret. I wasn't. Oh, boy. Right? We all right? went really yeah. deep. Our, our whole group. We, yeah. yeah, they all went deep. And I was like, this is bullshit. Now, <laughs> now I live, you know, I wrote a book with Jack Canfield. I'm on the Transformational Leadership Council. I asked myself not only what did I do to be responsible for this and what am I supposed to learn? What did I do to attract this to myself? And what am I supposed to learn? And then recently, over the last few years, I've taken it to the next level, which is that meaning side of things, because you give meaning to everything that you see. And if you study things like the Bhagavad Gita or the Course in Miracles, some really deep stuff, even Dr. Wayne Dyer, Power of Intention, you'll start to realize, you ask yourself, what am I doing to participate in perception that I can't approach you? or I can't make a billion dollars, or I don't have enough money, or I'm not worthy because my dad left when I was five, or whatever it is. And if you learn the lessons of how you're participating in the perception, 
and responsibility and attraction, now the whole world opens up to you, this abundant world of more than enough, and you start really shifting your perspective to, oh, that's interfering with my potential instead of how can I ever do this? This is so much bigger than me. Incredible, thank you. So, you know, what's really interesting about speaking to very highly successful people, it's, it's not like, oh, wake up at five o'clock in the morning and do X, Y, and Z. It's not, who do I call? What CRM do I use? It's never about that. It's always about really high level understanding of self-reflection, mindset, and you know, you've, you've always expressed that. I've watched the way you teach your children and I mean, really, that's something that I admire so much. We also have three girls and one boy. So we're just trying to follow in the Julie and Dave's footsteps. But, uh, you know, if you could peel away of all of the many lessons you teach every day, one lesson that you want your children to walk away from this life learning from you, what is that one lesson? It's funny, because I get, I get choked up, because uh, it's so meaningful and it's so simple. I tell my kids all the time, be kind. Like, it, it, it's such an easy, now remember a, a lesson I've learned, the simple things to do in life are unfortunately simple not to do. So I pay particular attention to really simple things. I get more credit for telling people to say thank you than a, a grandmother. Like literally, I don't understand it. People say, you changed my life. Oh my God, I say thank you before I go to bed and when I wake up. You've been around when people have said that to me, sitting outside the studio waiting for me, and I'm thinking the simple things to do are unfortunately simple not to do. So raise your awareness to kindness. It's such a simple choice. You waste so much energy not being kind. When you have faith, there's more than enough of everything. It's so easy to be kind. You don't have to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful, these are just a waste of emotion and they accelerate you in the wrong direction. So my kids, I tell them all the time, be kind. I tell them, do your best, learn lessons and have fun. Real simple lessons. That's all I tell my kids. I also will tell them when they were younger, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And if you wanna know why these masterminds are so valuable, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I have so many people invest in themselves. I have one kid who I love, he's a financial kid, and he was broke, and he's like, Mr. Meltzer, I'm putting my last $3,000 on my credit card to be coached by you. I just want you to know that, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, and I said, okay, you're willing to do the work. I can guarantee that quantitatively, you will make more money than you invest in me, or I'll give you your money back. So just the fact that you're doing that, I'm gonna guarantee your money back if you don't make more money. That's guaranteed. So he makes his first million dollars. I coached him to that, and he buys a goddamn uh, Lamborghini. <laughs> so I went to fire him. Have I taught I like, you nothing? Exactly. I was like pissed. And I'm telling guys who work around me, I'm like, can you, guys like Keaton, I'm like, can you believe this? And he's like, I don't know. So I called him, I said, hey, bro, I, we, we can't work together anymore because obviously I'm wasting my time. We talked about buying things for the right reasons. Money is important. It allows you to shop. Shop for things for the right reasons and you'll be happy. Not to impress people you don't like, not to make yourself impressive. And he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He said, I got a lesson to teach you. He goes, I am buying this for the right reasons. I'm like what reason does a kid who's 24 years old buy a Lamborghini? He said, I'll tell you why, Mr. Meltzer. He said, I 
literally still live in my old house in the at-risk neighborhood. He says, and when I drive that car, so many kids come up to me and say, man, are you a musician? Are you an athlete? What are you, are you a drug dealer? You know, what do you do to get this thing? I want a car like this. And I tell them, I read books and teach people. Oh, okay. So lesson learned. I, I shout him out all the time. His name's Tay Sweat. Check him out online because he taught me a lesson about me teaching lessons. So uh, he became an inspiration. What's cool about Dave when he says be kind? Uh, I was, you know, fortunate enough to be on Dave's podcast at the. He has a studio, by the way, in the Wynn Hotel, the Blue Line Studios. This is like a what? How much millions of dollars do you guys spend on this studio, by the way? Six million dollars. We're, we're now building them. I have one in SoFi, and we're building them across the country now okay. in stadiums. The nicest studio I've ever been in. Okay, it's like a TV production studio, and we got to do a podcast in there. Prior to the podcast, I show up because I'm just like you know, fan of the thing. I want to check it out, get some videos from my Instagram, and I'm just there early to meet the other people who are going to be on the show and be interested in what they're doing. That's how I connected with the people that were there that day. And by the way, you know, uh, I got to go out to dinner with them afterwards. I'm still in contact with all the people that you had on the show that day. Some of us were helping each other in our business. So that was just easy networking just by being interested in their products and services. But I got there early, and Dave is outside of the studio with about 30 random people answering their business questions. Just literally, like, probably one of the busiest guys, his schedule's crazy, he's just sitting outside talking and with a big-ass smile on his face, too. You know what I mean? Like, and his crew's there, and he's just giving and helping people. And so you do these pop-ups. If you want to say, that, like, tell the people really quick about how you do these pop-ups. Everywhere you go, you do one of these, right? Yeah. Every city I go to in 200 a year, all around the world, I just post up and say, hey, I'm going to be at my studio from 2 to 3 to answer questions and make introductions for everyone. And originally it was just, if I don't have an hour to give to my community to help them, and I know by elevating my community, I'm elevating myself. And so I would do this, and what happened was I learned a valuable lesson beyond being able to help people. I learned what people were listening for. And it was really valuable because most people on the Internet are talking to you with snapshots of their lives that are far greater than their real lives. And they're literally telling you things that aren't true. Instead, when you learn what people are listening for, you can do the research, be more interested, and then try to get better at articulating exactly what they're listening for about like timing and risk tolerance or perceived value and bottom line and all of these other issues, the recession or fear, right? Fear of the past, fear of the future and how to identify the ego-based consciousness that's directed towards that. All that stuff came from these meetups that I do and I give away my books, uh, et cetera. And you know, we do these dinners, by the way, I wanna invite everyone that's gonna be at VCon, you know, talk about guys just showing up. So Jim Quick, Clinton Sparks, Austin Eckler, Michael Chandler, um, all these guys just heard that I was going to be speaking to VCon, and they're like, hey, can we have one of those dinners? Some of them aren't speaking at VCon, yeah. right? They're coming in for Friday night to have one of our dinners, and if any of you guys are, uh, are all invited, I think we have room for like 100 people that'll be there for dinner at VCon. If anyone's going to be there uh, with Gary, you know, these are the kind of things we do. Um, and I started, I was at a hotel room, and there's always like a dead hour. And I was like, you know, if one person shows up, it's a good use of my time. Like I can change a life. And sometimes one people show up. 
And at six years later, we get kicked out of hotel rooms now. Yeah. It, <laughs> and so he, I saw Dave doing that, so I got inspired. I was going to Vegas for uh, some business meetings. I just posted up, hey, I'm going to be here. Let's do a meetup. Just a few people showed up. Yep. But it was awesome. It was really cool to get a pulse of like, hey, these are people in your audience who follow you. And you could just do it in your own city. You don't have to do it in random cities. But there are people in there who would love to learn, you know, who would love to ask their questions and just be seen and heard. You know what I mean? And it was cool to see even at the highest level, Dave's still doing that. To this day, he still does it. And that's real community. It's not about number of followers and all these vanity metrics. It's about building a real community of people that can interact with you. And then that's it's, it's a, it's a um, grassroots thing because all the people that come to those tell other people and they tell other people like and friends. yeah and and it just grows it's like it grows really slowly but it's really quality people in your audience there